For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you afraid? You should be. I thought he was the man to lead us through the long night. The face will be added to the whole. You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods were mine. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. They have no idea. What's going to happen? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Take the Black podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and we're here to talk about that terrible episode last night, episode 605, The Door. Hey, listen, if you're here and you need a hug, we're here to give it to you. And um, But let's start off with uh, where we start every episode, and that's at the wall. And Isis, I want to talk about your girl, Sansa. She seems to be stepping into the power role and the manipulation part, but hey, that's okay because Sansa's always been there, and she's always been kind of like the uh, little dove, the little bird eating her lemon cakes. The last night, she seemed to step into that power player role. Talk about that a little bit with me. Absolutely, um, but before I do that, I just want to say thank you to all the people who live tweet the episodes with us every week. Uh, we love you guys. Please keep on retweeting. Uh, please keep on tweeting back at us. We respond back to tweets. I know that Corey, Annie, and uh, Razor, who uh, uses the Twitter Wick account, and myself, we all really appreciate it and stuff. So please keep on tweeting, live tweeting with us. It's a lot of fun. Um, let me talk about Sansa really quick. I am not. I haven't always been. A a big fan of Sansa. Uh, oh, when come she, on. Yeah. Yes. When she went dark Sansa, I, I bit into that, and then I got nothing out of it, and so then I turned my back completely on her. I, let me tell you, when I saw her sitting there sewing, you know, this cape or whatever she's making for John, we find out later. The cloak. Uh, the cloak, if you will. I felt like, you know, she, at, that was probably the first time that I felt like she was like very regal, like her mother. Um, it was just a moment of, of peace and at ease. Like the only thing that she was worrying about is the task that was in front of her. Um, and when it was making something for somebody else and it was just, her, you know, her brother. So it was really, really sweet. She gets the letter, um, uh, little finger, he reaches out to her and he wants a meeting with her. Uh, she doesn't tell anybody, but Brienne and she goes to this me- meeting with little finger and she gives him, a verbal shellacking and I loved every second of it um, the only thing that could have been better is that she would have told Brienne to go ahead and just cut 
Littlefinger's tongue out. Uh, but I mean, we got what we got out of it and she stood up to him and it just really shows a lot of growth in just this season of, of Sansa. It was everything that we wanted dark Sansa to be. This right. is it. Like she has right. really, really come into her own and, um, and you know, uh, her as a rape survivor of of all the, and all the other things that happened to her, she's really just kind of taking responsibility. Hey, if you um, didn't know that he was going to do this to me, then you're an idiot. Um, it just there's right. no more pussyfooting around anything anymore. She's calling it out like she sees it, and I absolutely I'm totally there for it. Um, and Annie, so, that's what I want to and I want to ask Annie this question. Um, if it weren't she, she's given um Littlefinger the verbal business here, but if it weren't for Littlefinger, she really wouldn't have this uh verbal gusto as it were, right? Well, you know, she certainly grew from the experience, but you know, the fact of the matter is is that it was a pretty terrible experience. And I spent all last season trying to figure out exactly what she asked him. Did he know what he was doing or was he a complete idiot? You know, like I asked myself that question. So to have somebody actually verbalize that question on screen and to have it be Sansa, that was great. Um, Well, no, I get I get that question. What I'm saying is her her, the way that she asked those questions and the way that she's maneuvering and manipulating John, like we clearly see her manipulating John this episode. She learned that from Littlefinger, the way she, she absolutely and that's what I'm did. saying. But there's also, she, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that though she learned it from Littlefinger, you know, it's one of those things where, like, the teacher, the student, like, leaves the teacher behind. In fact, I'd say that's something that we saw several times this year, or several times yeah, this episode. We saw it with, uh, we saw it with Bran. You know, mm-hmm. in a way we're seeing it with Arya, and in a way we're seeing it with Sansa, the student telling the teacher, I don't need you anymore. Unfortunately, sure. I, I do think that uh, uh, Sansa will probably come to regret the fact that she let Littlefinger live. Because, um, I mean, he was manipulating uh-huh. her on the way out the door, and that's not good. And he has an army that they do need, and uh, she lied to John about it because she doesn't want John to use that army. So, right. yeah. I have a I have a bad feeling that this won't turn out as a happy ending as we'd like it to, but as a moment in time to see her stand up for herself and, you know, really, you know, verbalize and 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 you know, own her world. Um it was fantastic. And uh guys, I want to uh introduce uh a part-time member of our of our podcast, but we're going to bring him on every once in a while on uh we have two Corys as 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 this uh, this new member of our podcast. He's a a part time contributor to uh, Winter Is Coming, and in fact, more of a part more than part time. You see him contribute probably every day now. His name is Corey Smith, and uh, for uh, all practical intents and purposes, we're going to call him Other Corey for the podcast because we already have Corey Phone, who's our our number one Corey, and now we have Other Corey. So you'll you'll hear us you'll, you'll hear us call them that. But first, Corey, I'm going to ask you this. Um, Talking about Sansa and Littlefinger, <clears throat> did she make a Ned Stark mistake by, by allowing uh, Littlefinger to live, or was it a shrewd move to send him to the Riverlands? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm, we're be, talking I'm, about, I'm, talk, you. I'm talking about in season one. I'm, talk, I'm, I'm reliving that moment when he brings that dagger up to Ned Stark's throat in the, in the front room and says, I told you not to trust me. Yeah, I don't think she trusts him, so I don't think he's, she's making a Ned Stark mistake. I do think that just going off the past, she's probably making a mistake of some sort. But, uh, you know, she's 
I, I think that she recognizes that uh, there, Littlefinger has a role to play in all this eventually, and she will. It's like Andy pointed out. You know, he he has at his disposal a pretty substantial. From what I understand, they have like a, a cavalry or something like that, like like mm-hmm. a bunch of horses. So that's going to come into play. I think she knows that, and you know, Littlefinger will be easier to talk to than the little kid. So I, I, oh yeah, he's definitely a better go between. Yeah, so I really, I mean, I think that she didn't mess up by not killing him. I really don't know where that's going to go. So I'm not even going to try to pretend that I can see where it's coming because it's like you're not supposed to be able to see where it's going. That's what makes like varies and little fingers, you know, plans and schemes so interesting even if you're a book reader or a show watcher only is that it's hard to see where it's going and then when it gets there it's like oh, I don't not see that, you know, so right. You know, that's that's my opinion. Not much of one thumbs up me. <laughs> well, as we go along and here we are in season 6. We have the benefit of hindsight now. We've seen so many callbacks to seasons one, two, three, four, and five in this sixth sixth season. Stumbling over my tongue already. Um, that we have the benefit of hindsight, and I'm just seeing now that all these things like not trusting Littlefinger, and you know, like don't make these mistakes again, don't do this, like you know. And as as viewers, we have that benefit, and that's why I'm that's why I'm wondering, you know, like. Should these children who watch their parents make all these mistakes, should they be making the same mistakes? And other Corey, I have a question for you, um, for your for your your introduction to the Take the Black podcast. Littlefinger made haste. He 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 beat feet down to uh, Molestown, um, but he left his army at the at Moat Kalen. Now that we have the army of the Vale at Moat Kalen, but they're going to be turning tail and headed to uh, hurting, turning tail and headed to uh, River Run. What? Are are we actually going to see the army of the Vale lift the siege at River Run, or where where do you think Littlefinger is going to be most most beneficial? Is he going to is he really going to going to help River Run, or is he going to turn and help help Winterfell? Where is he Where is he going to be? Where is he going to be most beneficial? Well, I think that's all going to depend on how many people uh, that can fit in Littlefinger's uh, teleporting machine. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> That's my that's my biggest problem with Littlefinger is he just warps around the map, right? Yeah, I mean he you know, from the veil to the to basically the wall, I mean, best I could tell it's a two month journey. At least. At least, something like that. And he seemed to make it in a couple hours. But he must kill horses. That's the that's the only explanation. He rides horses until they dies and he gets another one. <laughs> or or Drogan's flying around, you know, giving him a lift or something, but I, I mean, ultimately, I think that he, you know, I mean, when does Littlefinger do what someone tells him to do? So I think ultimately he'll probably turn around and end up helping out Sansa and John at the Great Battle of Winterfell. Because I think ultimately he cares more about saving Sansa and maybe saving face with Sansa, so to speak. And I think well, that that's ultimately going to be his end game. And and do remember that he has that piece of paper from Cersei that says if he's the one who helps oust uh, Roos Bolton, he is the uh, he gets to be the warden of the North. Oh my God! So 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 that. you know, don't totally forget, forget about, about that. That, that is a very important piece of paper. The fact of the matter is, is that you know, John and Sansa may think that they're going to get Winterfell back, but if he helps them, he's got a piece of paper. Now we don't know if Cersei will even anyone is going to pay attention to anything Cersei signed. But right. he does have a piece of paper. 
That's a great point. Oh, my God. Um, here's my question before we move on from all this and go to our next topic. Will we ever see – because this did happen. This is show canon. Will we ever see Rob's legitimate, legitimizing John come into play? It happened. Yeah, I I don't think so. I think the show kind of forgot about it. it ha- because I don't think he they si- forgot about it, but I don't think it really. Did, because guess who he sent? Guess who he sent with 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 letters? He sent one of the Mormonts. And guess where? Guess where we're going to next episode? We're going to House Mormont. So I'm just wondering if little Liana Mormont will have a letter in her possession that recognizes John. Snow as John Stark, rightful king in the north. I just want to know that. If it does that, I'm telling you, there will be an epic internet meltdown, and all the book readers will will book nerd out, including myself, and there will be a new king in the north rant and cheer from all the book readers on the internet, and it will just be an amazing time, and everybody will just laugh. And That's a dance. really good counteract to uh, Littlefinger's piece of paper, now that you say that. Yeah, it'll be a great, it'll be a great counteraction to the, to the Littlefinger's little piece of paper, and it also is a great callback to um, what Cersei did to Ned Stark when she tore up his, Ned, his little piece of paper that said, what do you think this is, and tore it up in the, in the throne room. That's the, right. The line of su- succession. So let's move uh, on. Hang on, can I ask a question real quick? I know you, yes. uh, we need yeah. to move on, but I, I had someone text me just before the show asking if they about a theory that he had just heard or read or something um, that Sansa's pregnant, and that's what she was referring to was saying I still feel what he did to me inside of me, mm-hmm. and also and also yeah. referencing um, another I forget what the other uh, phrase was that she mentioned in her little tiff with Littlefinger. Uh, I mean, it would be early to be experiencing things like that, but at the same time, that would – I've not heard did, that theory, so I thought maybe you guys when, when did it. When did Game of Thrones care about timelines? Yeah, but <laughs> no, no, we've had many – we've had many is Sansa pregnant, like, little hysterias, and I don't buy any of them. Um, I, I've, I've seen other uh, places, um, especially last season, where people, like, tried to say maybe Sansa's pregnant. No, I, I don't buy any of it. I don't think she is, and I think we've seen some photos of her from later on in the season. Um, I just don't think she is, personally. Well, but. if she was, I would definitely be hooking up with the Red Woman and be like, look, you need to do something about this. You know I, she's I, got I, the potions. Yeah, I need something. Turn this into a shadow and get it out of me. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and and kill, make it kill Littlefinger. Let's do this. I don't know. I mean, any, I just, that, that. I don't even want to think about it. It's disgusting. <laughs> That's a good point, though. I'm glad you brought it up because you know, her saying that I could still feel it. That was that was very uh, cringeworthy. Uh, it, it made me. It gave me all the willies in the world. But um, let's move on to a little farther north, real quick. And I don't want to talk in detail about this, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, we finally saw, and this is another thing that got book readers talking last night. Was we finally saw. How White Walkers were made. Oh my god, uh, Annie, how did you feel seeing the first White Walker made last night? My first reaction is, wait, is that the same actor who's under the makeup? That's what I was wondering. Yeah, and I really, like, I took a really long look at when the Night King appeared later on. Like, I took a really long look at him. I think it might be the same actor. I think they actually reused the same actor. But every, it would be cool, well, like the, the original same- Night's King. Everything that about that scene was gorgeous. That, 
wasn't that guy, isn't he on Grey's Anatomy, Owen? Is that the same guy? No, no, no it's not no, Owen. No, no, no. It, it has, he, he has the same facial structure, oh. but it's not Owen. Okay, sorry. It's okay. He looked like my, wife, my wife asked, asked the same question. So when he was like, it. he was just all in human form and, and shirtless, I was like, oh, hey. So anyway. <laughs> he, actually played, he actually played, for a little bit of trivia, he actually played one of the doubles in the Tower of Joy scene. He's a, he's a stunt double for Tower of Joy, uh, one of the uh, Kingsguard. But, uh, no. Anyway, no, I was freaking out. Everything about all, that had so many callbacks. Yeah. First of all, you had, you had the pattern of the stones. And if any of you didn't notice, um, from the very first time we saw the White Walkers kill any humans, they did the patterns of the bodies. And then, the, and then when they did the Fist of the First Men, when they killed the Night's Watch, they spread the bodies out in a pattern. And then you saw that. That's the first time the children of the forest made a white walker, and the rocks were spread out in a, in a pattern, kind of like Stonehenge or whatever you want to call it. That, that's a pattern that the white walkers use, and now it all makes sense. They use that pattern because that's where they were made. Um, and that's also – that spot is where the cave is, where Bran and, the, and, the, and Three-Eyed Raven and Hodor, Mira, Summer, Leaf, and her, and her sisters are. So – that's all a, a gigantic place of magic, and that's where it all started, and obviously where it all ends for our favorite giant, um, our gentle giant. And it's all right there, and it's just a huge, just a massive place for a story beginning and story ending. And uh, I was just amazed at how Game of Thrones told that story last night. And uh, other Corey, I would love to hear your thoughts on, as a book reader, um, we finally get an answer to where the White Walkers come from. And how they're made, and um, I don't know. Just it's kind of a good like. Here we are waiting for the winds of winter, and here we are waiting for answers for this long, and it's kind of a neat little thing to hear, you know, or see to you know. It's kind of a thing to tide us over while we're waiting. Uh, I'm glad you asked because when I saw it, I lost my shit. I mm. like started slamming my hand on the ground. I was just because <laughs> in the books, you know, they they tease their origin and but you don't really get a lot of information and so you don't really know where they come from so you just everybody's just making up you know their own conclusion based off the you know little crumbs that George R. Yeah we've been doing theories for years now. Right exactly so to finally just see that moment right there in front of me I mean it was almost like you know kind of casually done it was like one second and then they just cut away real quick and you're just like Y'all just revealed one of the biggest secrets of the entire show, and then we and then we jump away. So I mean, it was exciting because you get you know you finally start to get some answers. Stuff starting to kind of fall into line. You know, you can kind of see where things are going now, because you know you can kind of see where their origins were and that they were just men that were created by the children of the forest. So um, I mean, I liked it. I liked the the reasoning behind it. It's definitely you know because they'd always tease that. The White Walkers weren't a hundred percent evil, right? And that they weren't just some evil magical force. That there was some sort of other origin to them. So I liked it. I thought it was great. Yeah. So we had that moment, and it was great. And it was really cool. Had a lot. Of, we we got a lot of answers last night from that. And then you know, um, so we had that moment in the cave, and that was really cool. And I don't know. I think that with Bran, with Bran dreaming, and he he wakes up and he asks Leaf, the the children of the forest, how 
So you made them, and she says, yeah, I made, we made them because we had to stop the men from tearing down the trees. They were killing us, and they were our only defense to stop men. So now you learn, like, okay, White Walkers were made to kill men because men were killing us, and we were losing the war. And so you think, oh, wow. So now the big question is, why did White Walkers turn on the children of the forest? So that's the answer I want to get to now. So that's my biggest question is now, what happened between the children of the forest and the White Walkers? Why are they battling each other now? Because they, made, they, a, they made a weapon they can't control. It's like nuclear weapons. I mean, nuclear weapons don't care who fires them. They're going to kill everybody. Well, yeah, but there's also there's a malevolence there. Like they 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 you know they they killed them with like you know they wanted to kill them. Like they they hunt them down. They found their cave and they chased them down. And they killed them. I want to know what happened. Are they mad that they drove a, a dagger into their chest and turned them into a White Walker? Are they is there is there rage behind that? Is that the original Knights King? Is that that Knight King? Is that him? Is that the I know they, they that George R. R. Martin says in the book he doesn't think that the original Night King is still alive. He wouldn't be alive today or in in the timeline but in the show the show's the show the book's the book whatever so is the original knight's king still alive and angry well you know i just want to know the question is why are they turning now why are they know. angry and why does he why are they why does he really look like a guy with a plan <laughs> i think he does he looks sentient and angry but anyway moving on um we got we saw yara at, in the Iron Islands, and it looked for a second like she was about to win the king's, the queen's moot, the king's moot. And uh, first, Corey, um, for a second there, Theon looked like he was gaining support for his sister, and all of a sudden, Uncle Euron shows up, says, "I killed the king," and he all of a sudden everybody shrugs their shoulders and goes, "Okay, whatever, Euron's the king." Were you happy with that story? Was was that a good enough explanation for you? Um. It doesn't surprise me. The Iron Islands are basically the Trump voters of <laughs> of Westeros. So some guy walks up and was like, yeah, I got this big dick. It's huge. And we're going to get this boat. We're going to go it's get huge. this blonde girl. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pork her. And she's going to give us her dragons. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that sounds a lot better than this sensible plan of make taking advantage of being on the coast that this woman ugh, had. And, uh, yeah, it was basically – I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, it really <laughs> yeah, was. Hands. Yeah, it was. It was like, oh god, I could just feel Tumblr firing up after that scene. No, there was. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I'm not surprised the scene went that way. What I, what actually, first off, they didn't botch the Iron Islands the way that it Dorne because they made it somewhat interesting. So yeah. I was pleased with that, um, and also seeing her and Theon like abscond with, I don't know, their 33.3% of the people there that weren't crazy and, uh, and take off in the iron fleet. Yeah. And they're taking off with the boats and they're heading to Marine, I'm assuming, or wherever the hell Daenerys is supposed to be. Um, I'm assuming that's where they're going or try to like head them off at the pass and everything. And I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. Hell yeah. Let's do that. Let's, let's at least, let's get some conflict over here. Cause all the iron islands has been, has been like, just bitching at each other and throwing dicks in fires. And I just, I'm so bored with them. This is a great episode for I read a theory on Reddit that said that Euron, the reason he showed up when he showed up was that he was busy burning Danny's fleet. 
Of course, he got there so quickly across that giant ocean. Him and Narrow Sea is not that big. It doesn't take that long to go across. Borrowed a Littlefinger's teleporter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Seriously, exactly. this season has been. Last season was people walking slower than ants in Lord of the Rings to get, like, just to get to the cupboard <laughs> to get a cup for some water would take four <laughs> episodes. You used ants in Lord of the Rings. I bow to you, Thank sir. Thank you. And Corey, you. first of my name, and uh, <laughs> Corey, first of your name. <laughs> but seriously, this whole this whole season, people like. It's been this, those those old sitcom like screen wipes. It's like let's see what's going on over here. Wipe wipe, and then strolling into frame is the people we just saw in their apartment. But now they're out. It's like it's crazy how quickly people have gotten around this season. Well, it, think about it, man. The 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 masters don't want Daenerys in in Amirine. She doesn't want her. They don't want her people in Amirine. They want them gone. So why would they burn her fleet? Think about it. Why would they burn Danny's fleet if they want them gone so bad? Well, it also. Didn't have to necessarily be Euron himself. He could have sent someone over there to burn the fleet. He could have, yeah, he could have hired somebody. Right. But I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. To that make to sense. open Danny to needing a fleet. I mean, yeah. I could see that. But anyway, I I I did like what Euron said on his way. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious when he wakes up from being drowned. He goes, "Where's my niece and my nephew? Let's go murder them." <laughs> Classic. <laughs> because. Drunk. Classic Euron, because my biggest complaint about Euron, and I, this is gonna, I'm gonna go book nerd for a second, because why not? But um, I, I, got, I was like, this guy does not look like Euron Greyjoy, because it, my Euron Greyjoy looks like um, Mads Mikkelsen from Hannibal, or you know, from Casino Royale. He's he he looks just like him, except he's got purple purple to blackish lips. He wears a patch over his eye, and he's a crazy motherfucker. And, um, you just described one of the like extra pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> like the one with the wooden eye is basically who yeah. you just described. Well, he doesn't even need a he doesn't even the patch over his eye. He uses the patch because he covers his smiling eye. And when he when he when he and he switches the patch when he when he wants to look at you with a smiling eye. And you don't want to, you you never want him to look at you with that eye. You never want him not. to do Why that. Why would ever. you? What the hell are you because talking when he about? Do, when he does that, you're pretty much. What is a smiling eye? Why is what is happening? Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Move on. Fucking book yeah. nerds. Uh, <laughs> I told you. No, I told you. I, I mean, the Euron on the show, he looks like one of the guys I saw at Cabela's yesterday when I was buying a rifle. I mean, he looks, <laughs> you know, cut off short shirt with some jeans shorts. Yeah, Trump voter. We've already yeah. gone over this. Yeah. <laughs> That's who he is. I'm with Razor. It doesn't look like the book version I thought of. He's got a deer strapped across his truck. Yeah, exactly. That's your own. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Okay. So, anyway. So, are we just going to call Euron from now on Drump? Because I, I feel like that's where we're going to go with that. Trump? Yeah. No, no, no. Drump from... Never mind. John Oliver. The Drump. Yeah. Oh, Drump. Yeah. Make Drump, Drump again? Yeah, I like that. So, anyway... um. So let's get over to Bravos and uh, Isis. I haven't talked to you in a while. Let's talk about your badass girl Arya. She was getting her ass kicked by the wave, but Look, she did. She she took that beating like a pro, though. She did. I'm not gonna lie. I'm watching that, and I I kind of watched it, and and I was like, damn, I I can't re- even really hate on the wave, even though she's whooping Arya's ass. But 
I mean, Homegirl is ready for some MMA fighting. Where are the freaking uh, with Bellator guys and, and stuff like that? Because this girl, they have to have some kind of competition that goes on where, you know, the girls who know nothing or whatever the case may be, um, you know, or a girl has no name or whatever the case. The that, that's no what case. they do. <laughs> I mean, they, Listen, I mean, I just, I was just waiting for like, Mortal Kombat music to kick in like da 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 da. I mean that that shit it was, was incredible. Crazy. I mean the wave was just ha- going she to pound town on that girl. Yeah, she well, dropped that. When she, she dropped, dropped it. Stave, yeah, when she dropped it yeah. and went barehanded, I was like, oh shit. It's yeah, about she to got real real quick. Okay, so you know, then basically she gets saved by um by uh, sexy, sexy jesus. jesus and and I, I god i love me some sexy jesus and every time he comes on the scene he's just like he's like i don't know he just like he says something and he's like well are you or maybe she's right i was like wait, oh so my god wait, so can i ask you a question so you're still okay with calling him sexy jesus even though john rose from the dead you're still okay with calling him sexy jesus Yes, I'm okay with okay. calling him sexy. Well, Jesus. I know we talked about I, we talked about you not wanting to call him that. Well, no, no, no. I'm going to call him sexy Jesus because I have sexual thoughts about John, so I don't want to have that. I like. Oh, well, you don't. You don't want to have sexual thoughts about Jesus. You just want to. No, 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 not at all. So anyway, I I thought <laughs> it, it was really interesting. He sends her on this task that you know basically she needs to go uh, to this place and and she's got a mission that she needs to go on. And she's like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, I guess I'll go. Yeah, sure, why not, and everything. So she's going to go and, and do this. Um, and she's really trying to act nonchalant, uh, like, hey, I'm not really Arya. I'm I'm nobody. You know, girl wants nothing. And uh, but I'm I not really, buying the act. I'm, I'm not buying, buying the act either. Um, but she's really, really trying. And she's trying to subtly – ask him questions to get information out of him and he's just not having it so uh, i just find it really really interesting this dynamic between um him sexy jesus and aria their relationship to each other because it seems like they're pussyfooting around each other and um and i feel like aria in the end is something something not so good is going to happen to her because if she tries to betray sexy jesus he's going to come at her and it's not going to be good. She won't even see it yeah. coming. So yeah. I, I'm she, really interesting. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of sexy Jesus, he did say like uh, a girl has two two chances. There won't be a third, right? So yeah. Like, so I think it's going to be really interesting. But that takes us to the play, which Annie has written a Annie, lot about. Annie Annie has marked the play. This is this is her her territory. I want to hear Annie talk about the play. Okay. So the fact of the matter is. is the the entire play within a play trope like when that showed up in the George Martin when George Martin put uh, the Mercy chapter on his website and we got this chapter where basically we got to see a through the looking glass vision of the last four books I just went nuts like this was the best thing ever and I have been looking forward to this for. when 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 I saw in the filming that they were setting up a stage and it had the little fake banners and it was clear that they were going to basically do this scene, I was so excited. Um, and the best part is, is the actors that they have playing these tiny little parts. I mean, seriously, that is Richard E. Grant right there playing yeah. Robert Baratheon. I just, you know, that that's Essie Davis playing Cersei. I mean, just, it is so cool. And... 
and 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 there and, you know and, and of course the irony is you know you know Richard Grant turns around and goes there are no small parts. <laughs> I mean that was just great. Everything about the play was great. The the fact of the matter is is that it also gives us an idea of how the rest of the world sees what we've seen go down. We've seen what went down in King Landing. We were in those rooms. We saw those deals made. Those people weren't. They were all they they were all off doing their own lives and doing whatever else they want to do and you know now they're going to go to the theater and they're going to see recent history performed for them because it's not like they have TV and this is what they think happened this is how they saw that go down and that's their that's their version of CNN news no and and in a way you know like there's a level of like is this the Cersei approved script well actually kind of because the history is written by the winners and who won that battle Cersei did. You know, she's the one who she won the 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 um she she won the 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 war on on um on getting people to believe that Joffrey was a good person and Robert Baratheon was a terrible drunk and Ned Stark was an idiot. I mean, seriously, like there's a level where you know when we saw season one, book readers all knew that Ned Stark was going to die. But when we read the book, we read it through his eyes, so we didn't see him as an idiot. One of the things that really struck me about season one is that stupid Ned Stark meme that started. Because seeing it from a third, uh, 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 an outside perspective, what Ned Stark was doing was dumb. Well, now this is the outside perspective of the outside perspective. Ned Stark is so a meta. fool. I mean, yeah, of course he's a fool. And, I mean, Arya's face. Oh, God. Arya, yeah. I mean, no one my eye. That girl was triggered hardcore standing in that audience in the same place that she was when her father got his head chopped off in front of her. You just That was a nice touch. You just that saw nice that touch. that look on her face and that was just like I was like if there were trigger warnings she should have had one. <laughs> and oh by the way, best moment of the best moment of the night, funniest moment of the night for me, the gratuitous cock. Oh. I just, I just, at, you know, we, we've been yelling full frontal nudity, full frontal nudity. Here's a cock! <laughs> With warts on it. <laughs> okay, maybe we should have been a little more specific. <sighs> it was, it was, it was disgusting. It was hilarious. I was not ready. I was, I was not laughing my head off. And the best part is all the American men going, oh my god, it's uncircumcised. Well, of course, it's a British actor. <laughs> By the way, I, that guy looked and acted and talked just like, um... Joffrey. No, I you, well everything there was well cast. Everything about that was well cast. The faux Tyrion character, so oh god, everything about the play was so good. Like it just this bit of the episode made my heart happy, and it was one of the longer sections of of the episode too. Like they actually dedicated some time to this because they understood that there are book readers out there like me who are going to go it's even in rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I as a as a non-book reader, I thought it was a wonderful scene that we got to kind of a glimpse. Again, I think Annie and I we talked about this offline before. Um, you know that it was wonderful to see what other people are are seeing from the aspect of, you know, just people who were not there. And I I thought it was just a really kind of bring about like oh wow this is this is where the starks are as far as compared to everybody else this is what they think that they're all about i felt they so bad for aria they absolutely did and they lost a lot of wars um they you know it was really awesome to kind of see aria cuz it kind of like to me it first of all aria's face was all of us uh, you know we all watched season 1 so we were all like <laughs> what the fuck 
And her face was just like that. Like, we were like, oh, my God, this is not what happened. This is no, this didn't happen like that. But, you know, it, Aria's face was just like that. And then to see her, her father's head cut off again, not only that, but to see Sansa, you know, she hasn't seen Sansa in forever, you know, since season one. Right. I, I'm and there's assuming. this terrible actress not doing a very good job of it. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I feel like it was a wonderful, I'm so glad they did it. I mean, if they wouldn't have done it, would the story have moved along? Yes, of course. But as a non-book reader, I really appreciated what they did. Uh, I really, I thought it was kind of funny to see Arya. She's on this task to kind of find out how to kill this woman uh, who plays. Um, uh, who plays the, someone who's on actress. her kill list. Yeah, someone who's on her kill list. So I thought it was really, really awesome. Uh, Cersei, sorry. I had alcohol. It's okay. Um, and, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it was really interesting to see that. And then, you know, to, it was funny, too, because I was like, man, she's not trying to play incognito at all. Like, she's just, like, blatantly just listening to their conversation, watching what's going on and everything, and not trying to really hide it. So I was like, okay, girl, you are not going to be in the CIA or anything like that, or Charlie's Angels. And so um, it, I thought it was really interesting to, to see that. And then to see her go take that information back and to the uh, sexy Jesus and provide him some information of like, oh, well, this is how I would do it. And, you know, can I borrow a face? And, and he's like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're not ready to go there. You know, you're not ready for that and stuff like that. So I really feel like, you know, Ari is really, she's trying, I feel like, and I may be wrong, she's trying to find a way out. She really is. I think she's she's ready to escape from sexy Jesus. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if Arya knows what she wants. Yeah, I mean, in the books, in the books, it's a little different because she's yeah. progressed past this point. When this scene yeah. happens, like she's farther along, she's allowed to use faces. She's allowed. She really does think that she is this person, Mercy. Like she really is no one. She's actually playing Sansa in the show. Yeah. In the books. So, and she and she oh, wow. doesn't seem to know it because she's so deep into being no one. So the fact that they're not really allowing her to go that deep into the faceless men world is really interesting to me because it says to me that the books will allow her to, to go that deep and then must pull her back out again because the TV show just isn't going there. The TV show is like, nope, she she's never really going to be no one. Well, in the, and also in the books, though, she kills a Lannister a Lannister person, is it Wrath the Sweetling or something? Yeah, which we sort of got last year, which we sort of got Aaron in Trent. the finale last year. Like, they really kind of smushed this all around that way. Yeah. But yeah, you would think, like, if she really still was Arya, that she would be a lot more into killing a proxy of Cersei. And instead, she's like, you know, she seems kind of nice. I was kind of like, really, lady? Really? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not really sure where they're going with Arya's storyline. They've kind of thrown me for a loop. But let's uh, let's move on to uh, – well, not Meereen, really. We're kind of outside Meereen. We're kind of outside Vaestothrak now. But uh, Vaestothrak and uh, other Corey, I want to ask you, if you had to measure um, Jorah Mormont's uh, level of uh, friend zone right now from one to handshake, where would you uh, – where would you where would you measure his level of friend zone right now? You know, um, honestly, th that scene was so well done, and it was such a quick kind of scene too. You know, all the flashes around, but um, I think that he might have moved up a couple levels from off the friend zone and maybe more towards the romantic interest thing, except for the whole turning into stone thing. 
See, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't see it as more as a friend, as a love interest. I saw as it more of a fatherly type. I think I don't, I still don't think she sees him as a love interest. I still think she sees him as a fatherly type guy. I think he has no shot with Danny. Um, and, Other Corey, <laughs> and I was, I, I, she wouldn't even give him like side boob. That it, yeah, like she, I, I'm not she, saying he's not getting none of that. Like I'm not saying yeah. she's you know picking out curtains for their new apartment, but <laughs> it, it just seemed like there was that at the very least she kind of recognized his, his love for her, and I don't think up until that point she kind of saw recognized the romantic part and just kind of saw it as the devotional part that he always had, and I think there was a lot of sympathy there, and that might have been. You know where I got That's the a fair. type. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. I can go with that. But she's oh, that not gonna. Scene. She's not gonna give like it, even if he finds a cure for his little sickness and stuff like that with his little sickness. But um, I mean, she. I felt I mean, like damn. He's he needs to get some eczema cream or some shit. <laughs> yeah, some uterine or something. Um, no, I, I just felt like she felt. I felt like she kind of sent him on a quest that is absolutely not. It, it's not something that he's going to be able to find. He's not going to be able to find a cure, I don't think. Um, and I really don't think he's going to be able to come back to Danny. So I felt like this was her way of kind of giving him giving him the last friend zone push of like, you go ahead, you find a cure, and you come back to me, you know? I think and, here's, here's, let, me, let me give you a take. Let me give you a take on Jorah. Um, I, I feel like Jorah is being folded into a part – from um, or I think Jorah is being folded into two parts from the books. In the books, we, there's a guy named um, uh, Griff and young, uh, old Griff and young Griff, and that's um, uh, what's his name, Annie um, Griff. Oh, uh, John Connington. John Connington, and um, they. I feel like Jorah's taking Jorah Mormont and John Connington's part, and they're they're meshing them together because John Connington is the one that gets grayscale in the books. Jorah doesn't get grayscale. And um, I think that we're going to see. We're not, I think, this, to my, in my opinion, unless I'm wrong, and I could, and I've been wrong many times before. I believe this is the last we're going to see of Jorah this season. I don't think, I don't think we're going to see Jorah Mormont anymore this season. Um, I think he's going to go off and he's going to try to find a cure. And I think his cure lies somewhere where that mysterious lady, uh, K- is it Kaith, Quaith, with the mask, the lacquered mask. I believe that's where his cure lies, over in the mysterious lands, the uh, lands of Asai, Isn't the that mysterious shadowlands. Shireen. Um, he didn't send her there. That's he where he, he sent people. Did he bring them there? Yes, he yeah. brought people from there to, to the yeah. castle. Okay. Yes, that's correct. Cool. So he's going to look for he's going to look for uh, a cure there, and uh, since she knows who Danny is, that's who he'll try to find a cure. For. And I don't think we've seen the last of Jorah. He's too he's too central to Danny's story. Um, I believe that sending him on a quest like this is what's keeping him alive. So we'll probably see him again in season seven. Uh, but I think, in my opinion, I think this was his send off. This was like this is episode five of this season. It's a good it's a good way to send a character off. And Game of Thrones has done this before. They've sent characters off midway in the season, never to bring them back again. So Gendry. it's a good point. Gendry, well, yeah, <laughs> obviously Gendry, he's still out there rowing his boat. So I think I think this is a way to send him off and and not bring him back again for another season. And un- it's unfortunate, uh, 
because I like I like I like that actor. Is it Ian McClellan? I like no, him a uh, lot. Uh, Ian Glenn. McGlynn. Ian Glenn. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. I get my Ian's mixed up. We have so many Ian's on that show. Um, but um, I like him a lot. He's a great actor, and uh, hopefully we'll see him again soon. Hopefully he'll be back this season. Hopefully, but I don't think we. I, I have a feeling we won't see him again. But anyway. Um, anybody else want to speak to that scene? I mean, it was a great scene. It was very moving. It was well acted. And then, of course, we got the great Dothraki uh, horde moving out of Vase Dothrak with our girl Danny finally leading. She's finally the great queen of the of the Dothraki. She's the great Khaleesi, and she's riding with her man Dario, just leading him out. That was a great scene. She's on her silver again. That's great too. So, um, I'm just anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just glad that they did not linger on it. They didn't. It was really short and snappy. Oh. And normally, I'm not a big fan of getting to Maureen, but it was very interesting. Maureen was absolutely. There was a whole new dynamic. The dynamic that to go forward, to go forward, let's go back. Yeah, oh. I, I, you're you're exactly right. That's been the thing about this season that's made it so much better than last season. I think is that they haven't lingered on anything. And they, all right, well, you know, a great example is Dorn, who, by the way, we've gone like four episodes without messing with, which is great. <laughs> but they were like, listen, we need to wrap Dorn up. So like, hey, come sit in this chair. Stab, stab, stab. Everybody's dead. That's it. We're done with Dorn until we need them again. They're doing that with everything this season. It's like, let's just, let's move it along. Like, let's just get yeah. people where they need to be. And let's, let's get the story rolling. And it's, it, everything feels so fast-paced this season. I enjoy it. It's, it's yeah. why I enjoyed the King's Move, which is the first time I've enjoyed the King's Move because I hated it in the books. But, it, I mean, seriously, they wrapped that shit up in nine minutes. Yeah. If only the books had done so. If only the books had done so well. And he's a, and he's a known uh, racist against the Ironborg. Oh, anyway. Idiot Ironborg. Let's <laughs> make Westeros great again. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's go, let's go into Meereen um, real quick and talk about um, the new red priestess Kinvara. Um, how amazing was that scene where she just pretty much brought a, brought the powerhouse down uh, and scared the shit out of Ares? And uh, Isis, tell me about how you felt with um, that scene. Like she's talking about burning burning dicks, and and she knew about um, Tyrion on the bridge of Atlantis. Atlantis. She knew all about that. So she's got power. She knows oh, things. absolutely. So, okay, so um, Annie and I have actually talked about this er earlier yesterday, um, and we weren't quite sure why uh, they brought her in. Like, what is what is her need to be there, uh, to, especially so late in the season and so late in the series? Why bring this woman in here? And the only thing that me and Annie could come up with is that you have one red woman who's backing one person – which will be Danny, and the other red woman is going to be backing John, and uh -huh. that these red women are going to bring these two entities together. Now, my whole thing with that is that I want to see them fight MMA style to see who <laughs> is right. No, no, I mean, seriously, the, red, the new red woman, I thought she was amazing. Um, you could tell that instantly – that um, Tyrion was instantly creeped out. Like, he was like, look, let's not fuck with this lady. Look, you well, know. he brought her on, though. He, he asked, did, he asked but, the priest to bring the priestess on. And I don't but understand he did why. Not. Well, he said, what I, what I liked, my favorite thing is, he called back to last season whenever Varys says, well, where are you going to get him? And he said, who said anything about him? 
he needs he needed somebody. They they walked through the streets and they saw their red priest preaching to the slaves, the freed people about um, burning things and the fires and and how Danny was the chosen one and all that of the red god. And so he noticed that the red the red god was starting to take hold in Marine. So the best way to connect with people is to bring in the number one who you know the number one grand poobah of the of the of the uh of the red god and that's the number one red priestess and so they bring her in and who said anything about him it's a her yeah but you well, know I, I don't understand like why he even needs okay they won the war they calmed the war down all they need to do is sit and wait for danny to come back and not screw anything up they don't need yeah, to do anything I, else. They could they could just sit in a holding pattern until Danny shows back up again. Why is he now introducing this entire new religion to Marine? This could backfire spectacularly on him. Because reasons. Because reasons. Okay. <laughs> well, I just felt like I just felt like that uh, varies when he was like kind of attacking and and he's always been very suspect of religion anyway throughout the entire yeah. season. Uh, well, series. I mean when you get when you get your dick, you know, cut off and burned. Well, and nobody too. will let you forget that your dick was cut off. I mean, they mention it every fucking episode. <laughs> every episode. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it come on, we get it. He has no penis. Um <laughs> Wait, it, it's what? Just ridiculous. <laughs> He has no twig and berries. And so um, it, it just, to me, I saw it when he was really, like, verbally confronting her. And, like, Tyrion's like, like, dude, yo, chill, chill out, man. Come on. And he's like, come on. Like, he's really trying to he calm Tyrion behind, down. He, he was getting behind and, um, like, like she was going to cast a spell at him. Yeah, like, he was, he was so <laughs> he was scared. I mean, ha- Tyrion was shook. It was probably the first time I've ever seen Tyrion, like, really worried about a situation that he was in. And Varys, who is, you know, for all intents and purposes, his servant, if you will, um, is, like, just going after her, you know, giving her the business and stuff like that. Um, when she told him that she knew about him when he got his genitals, uh, cut off um, and the voice that he heard and what they said that's when Varys went oh shit and yeah. I'm not going to lie I got goosebumps on my arm to see Varys like that got me scared and I said oh shit this is re- the real real deal uh, but I liked what original Corey said on Twitter about uh, the, the new red woman what did you say Corey? Uh, that I, she's hot. I don't know. <laughs> no, you I, said I, that all the red are all. The oh red yeah, all the hot. all the red priests and priestess. They just like look around. Who's the nearest king or queen to me? Ah, uh, you are the chosen one. Let me ride with you and give me food and money. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's. I do think that it's. I don't know if you really want to get into the theory aspect of the show, the idea that like the the red god or the whatever they call their person. Obviously, that that god has some power or magic or whatever. So there's some like truth to them, and it's kind of weird to have like this religion where you're like, yeah, that religion might actually be the right one. That's kind of strange, but um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they were trying to, as a group, get Daenerys and Jon and Stannis and whoever else like into the same areas because like they need somebody to unify the kingdoms so they can take on the white walkers. If they're like actually going to, you know, look into the future and know what is coming. 
that this infighting men will fight like like the the realm of man they will fight each other for power all the time so they might be trying to hurry that along so we can get a unified front against the white walkers maybe i don't know well let me uh let me ask you uh other cory let me ask you this question really quick um do you think that obviously the i don't i, I I hesitate to call them the clergy of the Red Gods, but the clergy of the Red God has to know about Melisandre, right? So, like, one one foot has to know what the other foot's doing, right? So, if they send Kinvara to Meereen, they have to know what Melisandre's doing at the Wall or in the north. So, like like first Corey's saying, are they hedging their bets? I'm not sure. I mean, first of all, we have to ask, how old is Canarva? I mean, that's, that's, a, good that's a good question considering what we saw in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, she has the same necklace. Yeah, she did have the same necklace, so who knows. Um, as far as hedging their bets, I kind of always got the impression that Melisandre was a bit out on her own. Um, I mean, did she, she Or never, that she was a heretic that way. Yeah, I mean, Ooh, or okay. just at the very least, just maybe... Her beliefs weren't what everybody else were back in the Red Temple in Volantis. So to me, I mean, it kind of because otherwise, why wouldn't there have been more Red priests or priestesses over in Westeros other than drunk Thoros? Well, they sent Thoros over, remember, right. and and then he got drunk and decided to to rebel against the temple. Yeah, so I mean, I just it, I just think that maybe, you know, Melisandre was kind of out on her own, because they never even really fully explained how or when she came into Stannis' service, because how was she going to know that he would be a king? Cause it, That's true. I mean, Unless she didn't show up after Robert died, so how did she even know? You know, I, I think she might have been seeing some visions, and like she always said, her visions, you know, she could read them the wrong way, and I think maybe she was following her own you know, path or heart, whatever you want to say, and maybe that's why she was over there by herself. Good point. All right, so um, we've got we've got a new red priestess in Marine. Tyr- uh, Tyrion and Varys are shook beyond all get out, and um, now we've got probably some boiling points happening. And I want to see how Danny reacts when she gets home, and it looks like she's going to be home next episode, hopefully, and hopefully those dragons get set loose pretty soon. Um, maybe the new priestess will make sure that happens, but, um, it's time. We got to talk about it, guys. We got to talk about that final scene. So before we, before we talk about the very, very last scene, I want to ask you guys, and we can just all free talk about it, but (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and ask you, is Bran the new Ollie? No. No. Oh. No, he's not the new Ollie, but you know what? I got to say, like, my reaction to this was, dude, you're a teenage boy. You're the only one awake. Just masturbate. It's safer. Uh, he's paralyzed from the waist down, Annie. Oh, yeah. come on. He can't feel anything. Yeah. He doesn't even know it's there anymore. <laughs> Might as well be a blood sausage. There's nothing going on. I think the, I think the difference with... Between Bran and Ollie is that I think Bran's actually going to feel bad about what happened. Ollie seems oh, to, good point. Ollie good seems point. to just be even to the end. He just seemed like he felt he was so right in what he did, and he didn't have any remorse whatsoever. And I think we're going to see Bran actually feel bad about what his actions caused. 
Oh, Bran instantly felt bad. When he was standing in the courtyard uh, in that dream, he felt bad. He's yeah. still there. I mean, that's one of the things I noticed about the trailer is that um, his, when, his eyes are still, his eyes are still whited out. He's still, wherever he is, he's probably still there watching Water and, and, or watching Willis and, and feeling horrendous. Did yeah. did Willis look at Bran right before? Yes. So yes. like he saw he saw Bran. Is that what yes. I want to know? Okay. Yeah. Here's the mind fuck. Here's the mind fuck. Willis saw Bran before he before he had his brain aneurysm. So he grew up, and then he served the Starks. And when Bran was born, and Bran grew up, and he saw Bran, and probably knew that he that's the little boy that he was going to carry on his back all the way to the north to the cave where he was going to die and hold the door. He knew that that was the kid that he was going to die saving. That's the mindfuck right there. Oh, yeah. Actually, what gets me is the idea that his the trauma that he's experienced all these years is seeing his own death. You know, yeah. every time Bran would warg, Hodder would rock back and forth, muttering the word Hodder over and over again. Yeah, and he yeah. and and he was clearly like having some sort of like emotional reaction to Bran warging every single time, and that was uh, a whenever, little bit why Bran like Bran had to warg into him in order to get him to do things because when he was seeing Bran warg, he was freaking out, and now we know why. It's because it was basically triggering the memory of dying, and that I mean that is so tragic and so terrible and so like you know temporal paradox of you know all this has happened before and all this will happen again and you know i i asked myself why did the three eyed the three eyed raven is like you guys have to leave now i will take you and work you into the past what yeah i didn't get that well, i don't no, understand he had why to because that's where bran was so that uh... bran could do it again that's why he oh. got to it's a circle Ugh. i'm so i'm so, uh. again I use I use it again, mindfuck. I'm so mindfucked right now. I can't even get past it. I, I was, really like, I what? really hope that they can move on from this time paradox stuff though, because it's a very fine line they're walking. It's very it it's very complicated and it's one of the hardest storytelling devices to do. Which is and, why they brought in the director from Lost for this episode specifically. Yeah, that's not a good thing if they're gonna keep bringing back <laughs> hey, people hey. from Lost. Hey, 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 hey. Watch your goddamn no, mouth. Watch the I'm, last I'm five seasons. Yeah, that show. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Corey he's on that one. He's only here for two episodes. He's here okay. for this episode, and he's here for the next episode. That's all they hired him for. Uh, and it, I'm with fine. other Corey as well, because you know the other thing is is, is <laughs> fuck you all. They, they even said though. I mean, the fine line with the time travel thing. They, you know, they even had the three eyed raven in the promos and the episodes before this saying you can't change the past. You know, everything's set. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then we see. Brand warging into Hodor in the past and screwing because him because he'd already years done it. Now. He couldn't change it again. He'd already done it once. He'd made yeah, Hodor, Hodor who he is. Hodor existed as Hodor in Brand's timeline, so that means that it's a constant loop. So mm -hmm. at some at some point in the future, we'll probably, or at least you'd assume, there'll have to be a um, oh what is what is the term for like when. Uh, like in, in Terminator when the AI becomes smarter than humans. Uh, Sentient? Well, no, there's a term for it, but I can't remember what it is. There's going to be a moment where this timeline split off and became a constant loop. And, oh, God, and I don't know. Gotta be, yeah, there's a term for it. But Bran, at some point, would have to, as an older person, uh, have gone back in time and started this chain of events, which 
But I think oh, go God. back in time would probably go back in time like maybe thousands of years. Who knows? Like it's, well, I mean, he already went back in time. Dun, 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 dun. Because he went dun, dun, all the way dun, back dun, dun, dun. The day, to the dawn age. Yeah, there the, you go. Uh, yeah. So somebody that somebody said that the brand built the wall or something on. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. And it's like that. No. So please stop that. Like you're you're really gonna because it's the, what's the best time travel movie ever made? Is it Back to the Future? And Back to the Future is messy and sloppy and it can be picked well, apart. Depends really on easy. what. There are so many. Uh, I would actually it. argue that the best time travel movie is Twelve Monkeys. Twelve Monkeys oh, is very good. It can be picked apart and shredded within ten minutes because it, it, time travel. That's true, and yet it is perfect. And time travel is so so dangerous because because time travel is so messy and it's and it's, yeah. and it's I'm nervous that they're gonna really just dive headfirst into this and and like Bran is gonna be some just like quantum leap and then all of a sudden and then all of a sudden David Tennant shows up in the TARDIS and <laughs> and the BBC is for rights yes exactly well so I felt, listen like I felt like you know when Bran goes and sees the White Walkers I thought that was a really kind of interesting moment because he sees them and he sees the army of whites that are standing there and he's like they can't see me I'm just gonna walk right through them and he's just oh, like you say, know can, can I halt you right there for a second okay. that was a badass scene because those zombies were fucking perfect those ice zombies, those whites, were motherfucking scary. Like, I was watching that, and I was tweeting, and I was like, oh, my God, who turned into the Walking Dead? Because this is fucking scary. Like They were the, awesome. The, the wind blowing through their hair, and, like, they're, like, they were gnarly. They were awesome. They were well done. Like, I was very impressed. Like, they were, they were the best whites they've had on the show, hands down, so far. Well, I thought it was really impressive, and then, you know, of course, Bran thinks that I guess that, that they can't see him, um, and and you know you have the, you, it's almost like the four horsemen of the apocalypse are standing there on horses and stuff like that, and the White Walker touches him, and then of course the Three Eyed Raven's like, he touched you, now he can get in, and he's like, what what? Or are you? Oh, he didn't, he didn't touch about? me. <laughs> Yeah, he's trying, he was to, like, he's trying he, to play it off. He didn't touch me at all. I didn't. Nothing happened. He just saw me, and it was so. It was so funny. It was like it was really like kind of one of those moments where we we're like, all right, Brand, we all know, chill, dude, just just own up to it. But then you know he tells him he was just like, oh, you have to get out of there, and then they go in back in the into the past, which I understand, you know, that had to happen. Uh, but the entire time I was screaming and I was tweeting, I was like. Get Hodor and get the hell out of there. That was like my first thought. It was like, don't, you know, go back in there. But you have to give hats off to, um, to you know, Martin, to everybody that does the show. This was an incredible long game with Hodor. I mean – and I, I get—I read an article on Winter is Coming uh, that someone actually had guessed it years ago that it was actually hold the hold the door, which is incredible. Um, but I mean, I, I read that article and I was like, "Have mercy! How did you, you know, come up with that years ago that it was hold the door?" Um, and then years later, it comes out. I mean, it was—it's an incredible act of storytelling. Um, it still didn't you know, kind of warm my heart any that his last act was, of course, you know, saving Bran. Um, I had to eat about four or five tacos. <laughs> I had a, a whole bottle of wine uh, before I finally passed out. It took about 20 minutes after so, the episode was over before I could actually watch the credits. Like, I literally just sat there for 20 minutes just, like, freaking. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you something. Listen, I'm a I'm a 42 year old man, and and I I said this old. last night. I'm a man. I am old. I'm old. I I I I can react emotionally to shows. Like if, if it's well written or well done, I can react emotionally. If it to I it, whatever if it if it's meant to elicit a certain emotion, I can react to it. And last night after that show was over, I I bawled for about 10 minutes, and I was unconsolable for about 10 minutes. I cried so it, loudly, my husband came upstairs and was like, are you okay? <laughs> my, like, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I can admit to crying, and I was like, for a, for a second there, I even hiccuped. I hiccuped during wow. my cry. And, yeah. You know, this, wow. pod, this podcast is public, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't admire. I don't. I doesn't. I hey, can admit Corey, that. Public in only the loosest of definitions. <laughs> okay, okay. But listen, my wife. So like, because first of all, I'm an animal lover, and when summer went down, they didn't have to go through the whole. Like he, first of all, when summer went down, he he went down the worst way. Like he could have ran with them, but he saved himself. He saved Brand and them, and then like you heard him crying as they ran down the hall, and that killed my heart first, right? And then Leaf sacrificed herself with the little bomb. And I was like, no, Leaf, no. And the then when Hodor. The huh? The, the leader of yeah. the children of the corn? Yeah. And then and then when when Hodor is, like, holding the door, and then, like, Willis is having his little freak out, that just, like, killed my heart, like, extra. Like, that was the third the third strike, and I just lost it, my shit. Like... I had been reading the spoilers all day long, and I thought I had prepared myself accordingly. But when my when my wife starts crying, and I start I I see her crying, I can't help it. I start to cry a little bit, and then when I start to cry, it's like the extra the extra cry is coming. And then I had the hiccup, and it was it was it was over. I cried ten minutes, lost myself, unconsolable I wish you for ten minutes. That. Yeah. Oh, it would have been so, terrible. It would have been like leave Brittany alone. I'm like leave Hodor alone. So two things. Two things. First off. We need to, because this is his only real moment, Sam Coleman, the kid that played young Hodor, uh, in a scene that could have really been hokey, trying to make Hold the Door become Hodor and having a seizure and everything, um, that was outstanding. It was incredibly gut-wrenching to watch. He did an outstanding job. It's the type of performance that he can slap in his... uh, acting portfolio for the next 15 years and people will remember it and know, oh, wow, this kid can do that. Okay, that's we can probably use him in this Gogurt commercial. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, great. I mean, the kid, it was outstanding. It was a, a great performance for the kid. And secondly, I have to ask the book readers here, was this the first holy crap moment like that yes. you – because yes, I, as, as a non-book reader, this whole show was me being like – but why? And then book readers being like, ha ha. And, and okay, like, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. The episode leaked online about 24 hours before the airing happened. So it was online, and some of us got to see it beforehand. And let me tell you, like, that must have been what it was like for people to see the Red Wedding. Like, that was like reading the Red Wedding the first time. Like, I did not see Hodor's death coming. I did not know this was going to happen. I was not prepared. And I just, I melted down. Like, it was bad. And that must be what it's like. That is actually the first time that it was like, this is what it's like for show-only people. And it was, I'm so glad I got to experience that. 
because up until now, like, I've always said I don't care about spoilers. I am, I am, give me every spoiler. I want them all, okay? It's part of why I'm part of the, like, the, the, the dig through all of the Spanish newspapers to read all of the gossip so I can know everything that's going to happen. I wrote a stupid, like, 40-page long article about how, like, every spoiler we knew this year, and I did not see that coming at all. You have to understand, this is our job. We get all the spoilers. We know what's coming, and we did not see this coming. And this is, this is no the first idea. time I really got to experience what it's like to have one of those moments and not know at all that it was coming beforehand. And yeah. I, I, yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I do the the death odds, the Valar Morgulas every week for, for Wick, and I had, I had written some stuff in there kind of without spoilers, without reading or seeing the episode beforehand. And I had, I thought that the scene would play out pretty much how it did, except for I assumed Hodor would escape. Like I, yeah, I assumed I was... at some point that the Night's King was going to bust into the cave. He'd, he'd take out the three eyed Raven and probably the, you know, the, the children on in, in the, you know, crossfire or whatever. But I assumed Hodor would escape with Bran because to, mm-hmm. To, I mean, even just from a logical sense, you think, who's going to pull that sled? I mean, Mira can't exactly. pull the sled. So you just assume, okay, Hodor will make it out. And so to see him go down, I mean, I, you know, when it first started, I was like, oh, man, I'm right. I'm so smart. And then to see Hodor go down, I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be right. So, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely was a shock for, for a book reader, especially because, you know, they had. You know, there was all the theories out there about Hodor. I mean, like his name and whatever Slavic or something means uh, the god of ice and darkness. So yeah. people thought he could be the great other or something. And so to some see people him thought just, he was he was worked into a horse by accident and not. Yeah, I mean, there was so many theories out there, and then to just see. I mean, the whole episode was kind of just a. You know, they explained so much backstory in this episode. Just you know where the White Walkers came from, what happened to Hodor. There was just so much backstory. It was it was really kind of a thrilling episode for a, for a book reader because a lot of the things are starting to come unwrapped now, and you're really starting to get a good picture of everything. And the best part is, though, for me, I watched the episode, right? About an hour later, that's why it's called The Door. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, like, because I was still processing Hodder's death, and then I started to write, like, hold the door, and I went, ah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it didn't yeah. hit me till later on either, so yeah. you're not alone. Well, how, did you, like how did you two, episode... you two unsullied feel about it? I absolutely loved the episode. Um, it, again, a lot of explaining. It was really kind of snappy. I have to admit my favorite part of the entire episode, because I'm, I'm a comedy, comedic relief kind of person. I love the scene with, uh, uh, with Brienne, you know, talking to Sansa. And then she says, uh, that wildling fellow with the beard. And <laughs> I love that part because like, at first she's kind of like, you know, like, why did you lie to your brother and this and that? And, you know, she's saying all these things. And then to see Tormund give her high, uh, you know, look. heart eye emojis as they're <laughs> leaving Castle she looks Black. Down like, oh God, is he looking at me I again? I know. Like she's so She broke the fourth wall. She looked yeah. straight at the camera for a second. 
It was so I, amazing because, like, she just was, like, so embarrassed. And, like, we all have been there where someone is, like, looking at us and we're, like, not quite sure what to do, really awkward. And it was probably the first time that she's ever felt awkward in a in a position like that. Or pr- probably the first time she's felt like that since she was a young girl. Um, you know, going back to where she was at that dance and she felt awkward in a dress and, you know, the girls were mean to her and stuff like that. I feel like she's just completely out of her element. And I think that Gwendolyn, who plays um, Brienne, just does an excellent, excellent job of it. And then Tormund is just amazing. Just his look of so awesome. just, I that mean, guy's he's a superstar. He's a superstar yeah. in the wings. He's already picking up giant endorsement deals. With like online, for hotel yeah, for hotel chains and stuff because he's so charismatic. He, I'm telling you, he will actually be the guy out of out of the Rob Starks and the Jon Snows and these guys that keep throwing them in these crappy action movies and nobody gives a crap. He's gonna be the one to keep getting roles in Hollywood over the next ten years in American movies and stuff. It's gonna be the guy that plays Tormund because he is a charisma machine. So oh my God, I love that guy so much. When he dies and he will die. He will die, and when yeah, he does, I I, I, I got I got to agree with you. I think he's yeah. going down. At the he's Battle going down. Probably this season, mm-hmm. it is going to break my heart because he is outstanding <laughs> in the show. Well, let's I just think... hope that he gets a chance to go ahead and dust off some of those coochie cobwebs that uh, that Brienne has. <laughs> oh, you know, you're gonna be disappointed. I think. I, I don't um, think she's so. going anywhere with her. I think she's going. She's going to the Riverlands. He's going with John, and it's, they're going to get be split up, and it's going to be over. And I'm going to be sad. And we're all going to be sad. So uh, I oh, think what? also in that in that same when she's talking about that that wilding with the beard, she also had the line of the night where she goes, "And you know, your brother, he's all right. He's a little bit moody, although yeah. he's got his reasons. Yeah, is he moody, <laughs> Brienne?" He's been stabbed 30 times. <laughs> but that's so awesome that she said he's moody. Like, everybody says Jon Snow's moody. He, she basically just... <laughs> yeah. Brienne was on fire. Yeah. That was awesome. I am sorry that they cut... Apparently there is a scene that they cut where Sansa is actually kind of teasing her about Tormund, and apparently they cut it. And I'm really hoping that they, uh, that they re-add it uh, in the deleted scenes when the DVD comes out next year. What were you saying, other Corey? I, I was just saying, I mean, the whole episode kind of had that feel where, like, multiple characters were saying stuff that literally, like, they were taking questions from the audience. Because, you know, <laughs> you, had the, you had the scene in the opening where Sansa is saying all the stuff that we thought last season. Mm-hmm. And then you had the stuff with Brienne where she's talking about John being moody and, and all that stuff. And it just seemed like there were so many instances throughout this episode where they were, you know, they were literally just saying what we've all been thinking either that episode or, you know, previously. So just another episode in a season full of wish fulfillment. Yeah. So Corey, even though, are even you, though, are even you though trying Hodor to tell me it. this is a, this is fan service? Cause if you're telling me this is fan service, I'm going to be just, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was really interesting um, that this season has been so snappy. I think the last two seasons we have been asking for that. I know that Corey and I have both been asking for it to be like snappier. Let's move on. Let's, let's speed it up. Um, and I feel like you're right. It has been one of those things like, okay, we've heard you, we understand you, and now we're going to fix this. And I think that uh, Benioff and Weiss have done, you know, a great job making this happen. Um, so I, I'm I'm all for it so far. It's did been guys, a great season. Did you guys see the SNL sketch where they resurrected Jon Snow? 
because yes. it was it was brilliant. It nailed it. It was, it. Awesome. It, it, was it was perfect. It was like we all could you speed it up? We know he's coming back. Oh no, I must cut his hair. <laughs> you know, it was just really it was perfect, and that's exactly what Isis is talking about. Like all of last season felt like that. It was just. I'm going to take one step forward, and then we're going to talk about that step I just took. Could you see me almost step on that rock? I'm glad I didn't. Uh, and it was just so boring. And uh, <laughs> well, we won't he, see it for four episodes. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I, this this season has been uh, pretty great. the The biggest problem that I have with this season are all the questions that every time they answer a question. They ask, quote unquote, ask like two more big ones that you know they're not going to answer anytime soon. Like with Bran was the big reveal in this Sounds episode. Like lost. Yeah, it does. Regular size Rudy, which is what I want to start telling you. <laughs> like, instead of other story. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it really does. It really does sound like lost because it's it's like okay, so Bran. The way that I interpreted him, because what happened to Hodor is so fascinating to me, is that because he was A, warged into the past, and B, warged into Hodor at the same time, so he was dual warging, which is yes. absurd. <laughs> he created an accident. Like, he didn't know this is what was going to happen, but he he, he created a bridge between old, old, old Hodor and the past. And that bridge just linked up, and that's when we saw Hodor look at Bran, and he was feeling himself get murdered. That was, like, why he lost his mind. He was seeing and feeling himself die. And so what does that imply going forward with Bran that he can still control things in the present and have the state of mind to keep holding the door, but also witness things in the past? And so, I mean, it's absurd, the implications of that. Of of what of how powerful Bran is that he can exactly. hold the door between time periods. Yes, exactly. And why do you think the Night's King was coming for him in the first place? He didn't listen. The Night's King wanted Bran. He knew where the Three Eyed Raven was the entire time. He knew where Leaf and her sisters were. He knew where they were the entire time. He wanted Bran Stark. Bran Stark's been the key this entire time. He never knew where Bran was. Now that he knew where Bran was, that's why he attacked. And he marked him because, right by touching and him. He marked him. Which, by the way, and this is key, Bran Stark is now marked. And we know from this from the trailer uh, breakdown that Annie wrote for Wick, and it's now on the Wick's website. It's been posted. Um, a mysterious character will show up in the next episode that will save Mira and uh, Bran and Zorro. <laughs> Zorro oh. is his name. Zorro hand. I'm already and, uh, not looking forward to that. But anyways, he, he will probably be he will probably be a an amalgam of a character named Cold Hands and uh, a mysterious uncle from the past. But um, he uh, will show up and um, help save them and take them to the wall probably. But here's the thing: because Bran has now been marked by the Night's King that allowed him to get into the magically protected cave. Once Bran goes across the magically protected wall, will that, in fact, break the magic barrier across the wall? Oh, my God, mind so? blown. Mind fucking What was blown. the last thing that John said to Ed before he left the wall? Don't, don't burn don't it down. It, don't break it down. <laughs> I thought he said don't let it fall down. Don't let it, don't fall. Let it fall. Yeah, down. that's what he said. Don't let it fall down. That's funny that you I say love, that, yeah, because I, I yeah. remember us talking, because I don't know much about everything you just said. Uh, I just know what I've seen in the show. But that would make sense that they would foreshadow that with John. That the because you've been talking about you and and Annie have been talking about the wall falling several well, times. In, in in the books, there's a horn. 
that actually yeah. oh, okay. they say if, no 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 in the, in the books they, there's a horn that they say and, and Mance Raider has it um, that and they say if that horn is blown the wall will fall down. Um, and clearly the show has completely cut all that. Um, there's actually two horns. The other horn is Urien has, and it's supposed to bind the dragons. Clearly Urien does not have said horn. Clearly Danny doesn't really seem to need said horn. So, you know, horns are not really I love that this show has, has to, like, snip, like, things. You know, the, people can buy this magic wall, but horns, let's cut that shit out. Let's get yeah, nobody to buy it. They're cutting that part. Um, oh, well, because the King's Moot takes, like, an entire book. Yeah. So you don't want Really, to, it know. does. Nine minutes was amazing. Anyway, um, the fact of the matter is, is that I have wondered how are they going to get around the fact that they're not, they don't have a horn to blow to make the wall fall down. Oh, Bran just has to cross it. Duh. Yep. Duh. <sighs> okay. When that happens... And here, that's why I got sad last night, because I really believe, honestly, we just saw Ed for the, alive for the last time. No, honestly, I, I, th- I think we'll see Ed actually die. I think we'll see the Night's Watch parts through them. Or well, either, either, through either we'll see Ed fight one last time, or we'll see Ed as a white. Dun, dun, dun! Oh. Are we going to see Hodor as a white? No. No, nah, I think... I think God I think, for freaking dead. Bite your tongue. Yeah. I think we saw him go out heroically. I think that was a Stannis death. I think I think uh, Benioff and Weiss gave us a, a Stannis death with, with Hodor. Can I, he, he died I off camera. I know that we're, we're pushing it here, but I, I, I just have to ask yeah. uh, with how quickly we've seen people get around uh, this season, like like Corey mentioned earlier, Rudy mentioned earlier, the uh, <laughs> little finger got from whatever the hell place with the kid is to basically the wall in like a minute. And we've seen people get around, like Theon got back to the Iron Islands, Stancy got to the north, so like people are moving faster. So mm-hmm. at what point does Bran get to the wall now? Because uh, because when the wall, probably by the end of next episode. Well, the thing is, yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with within two episodes. But then if he gets past it, well, then you have to assume that the Night's King's right behind him, waiting on him to pass, so that he could take the wall. So like the wall goes down. Let's say the wall goes down in episode. Nine? I don't know. And I'm then... gonna go with ten. Um, no, no, ten? no. I'm gonna go. Okay, I'm going with nine because nine is the Battle of Winterfell. Mm-hmm. So ten is when the wall falls down. That's okay. What I say too. Okay, cool. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna preempt my, my, my fellow writers. I think we see it fall at the end of nine. No, no. I think nine is going to be straight up the Battle of Winterfell. It's going to be a one. It could be one location battle. The way that the, the, the location battles have been, I think yeah. they're sticking to that. I think that we're going to see River Run. The, the siege of River Run, the battle siege of River Run in episode ten, and I think we're going to see the wall fall in episode ten, and I think they're probably going to like uh, intercut them. Uh, I, I I think the last thing we see this season is the wall coming down. Yeah, I mean, that's, everybody, I don't that's, the, end, that's the end of this. I mean, seriously, yeah. once the wall comes down, what else is there? You don't. Yeah, you don't have to show uh, the implications of that. You don't have to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> duh. God. <laughs> Storm. <laughs> yeah, Corey's right though. Like the wall, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, if you, sh- yeah. Go ahead. if you show it, you don't have to show the implications of it coming down. We know what that means. So I think you can just show it and then cut to black, and then you know everybody loses their shit. But well, John made a good John made a good point in this episode. He said we have to defend ourselves against the White Walkers, and in order to do that, we have to take Winterfell. So Winterfell has to be taken before they can defend themselves against the White Walkers. So you're right. Uh, the Battle of the Bastards has to be fought, it has to be won, and they have to be in Winterfell before they can defend against the White Walkers. So hopefully what happens is we see the wall fall, 
And what happens is we see like John and Sansa standing on the battle, battlements of Winterfell, and they they feel the shaking of the ground or whatever, and the walls falling, and they're like, "Oh shit, it's happening!" You know, something like that, some kind of shit like the ominous ominous music, cue ominous music, you know. And like you know, maybe I have, to, I have to admit that the Red Priestess that that's with John uh, Melisandre, she was very quiet. She didn't say a damn word. She's beat down. You know, she's beat down. She hasn't yes. said anything. Yes, and it was so it was so strange because I thought that the resurrection of John, our Lord and Commander, uh, would have you know would have Just brought get a little bit of back. swagger back, you know, get a little yeah, bit of yeah, exactly. Like I would have oh, like, look who raised so, the dead, bitches, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, listen, you know, listen, we can we're gonna we're gonna find out more from Melisandre uh, as they move out across the north and they come across a certain abandoned uh, campsite where a certain little girl was burned at the stake. But anyway, uh, that's oh. not yet. We'll get there soon enough. Um, they left her on a stake. No, they didn't. They just didn't have time to clean up. They didn't have time to clean oh, up. Oh, they're gonna get there listen, and Davos gonna say, "Hey, why is there a pyre here?" Why is there why is there a burnt little stag here at the bottom of this pyre? Anyway, um, we have gone too far over this podcast at a minute twenty two and minute twenty three uh twenty three. So um, Sorry, thanks for listening, and I want to say thank you to other Corey Corey Smith for joining us on this podcast. Uh, you've been a great uh addition, and hopefully you can come back and join us before the end of the season. And um, guess what, guys? We only have five episodes left until the end of the season, and this has been an amazing season. Just like Every episode this season, um, I feel like we're just blowing through. So uh, hopefully it'll slow down for us, and maybe we can get a Dorn episode in. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Bite your tongue. <laughs> Shut All right, your mouth guys. About your tongue. You thanks, for, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week on Take the Black. The face will be added to the whole. You would spill blood in this holy place. The gods won't mind. Show them what Lannisters are. And make no mistake. The dead are coming. Dragons do not do well in captivity. How do you know this? That's what I do. I drink and I know things. They have no idea what's going to happen. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.